welcome to the Prep Me podcast. This is a podcast especially for Canadian pre-med students. We are Tora and Chansey. Hello. And we come to you every couple of weeks with a podcast that answers all of your questions about getting into medicine. So this week, we're going to talk about how to study for the MCAT, or sometimes how to not study for the MCAT and see how you do. Um, but one of the best ways to make your studying easier is with our sponsor, Prep 101. They are your one-stop shop for all of your MCAT preparation needs. They even have a study schedule that they make especially for you, your background, your timing, with a personalized study schedule when you sign up for the comprehensive MCAT prep class. So check them out at prep101.com MCAT. So now today, Chansey, we're talking about studying. Studying. And you did the self-studying route and you started and you did your MCAT without taking a prep course. So how did you study for the MCAT? Uh, not effectively is the summary. Um. Well, the first time, maybe not. <laughs> I always tease you about the first time you wrote the MCAT, but what about the other ones? You teased me about the first time? I'd, I've never even heard you tease never. me before. Never, never. Um, you know, you're right. Because I think like... A lot of people, when they're thinking they want to go into medicine or write the MCAT, they don't really realize or recognize all the tools that exist out there. That is hard copies, you know, supplies in the internet, prep courses, all that. They don't really know it exists until you really, you really dive. And I think like podcasts like this really help to bring that to uh, to to light. But I didn't I didn't have that, so uh, I I approached it like, okay, this is a huge test. I know I need time. I'm going to start early. That was my biggest thing. Is I'm going to start early what am I going to do early? That that took a lot more time to figure out in terms of the study plan. But it's like, I need to start early. This isn't a, a weekend thing. Um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a month, month and a half. That was like my, my initial approach to it. And oh, so that was like a lot of time for you? That Then, yeah, then it was a lot of time for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Because I mean, I think like you, like we came out of high school and like, that part of schooling was like easy and there was no like real hurdles and then you get shocked by university and then certainly shocked by something like the MCAT. So yes, that was a lot of time for me then. Um, and I think I would just literally, I'll be completely honest. I think I sort of devoted like a week to every subject. It was like, okay, a week of cars, a week of bio, a week of chem and so on and so forth. And then the last week or two was, was practicing, like never even doing full lengths or never doing sections, but doing them at the very, very end. Um, and then, I think like one or two of them went okay. Like we're talking like just the cusp average uh, and others didn't go so okay. But I was at a point where I was like, the, the test is coming. I wasn't maybe mature enough to think about rescheduling or things like that. So I just, I went for it. Um, and did you, did you know you weren't prepared though? I, I felt thought, that way. I'm going to be okay. I felt that way because of those full lengths, right? Like at the end, when you really sit down and do the, it was still around six hours at the time. And um, I was like, Ooh, is it just that like I had a hard test? I think I convinced myself that I, oh, these are just hard MCATs. I, I, I know this stuff. Like I studied for a month. I know this stuff. It was all month. Um, and then I think had like a false security be thinking that that was enough time and maybe over reassuring myself that, oh, you just, uh, you made silly mistakes. You won't make them next time. Or that was a hard MCAT. It's going to be fine. So a lot of like, I don't know, self feeling that I was more prepared than I was. And the, and the assumption that it's a science test, so as long as you know it, you'll be good. Yeah, well, I thought, I wasn't even thinking about, like, how people review the MCAT in terms of admissions. Like, my thought was, oh, maybe maybe cars, you know, at the time, verbal reasoning, maybe it won't go so well. But that's okay, because I'll do really well in the science sections, and then, like, my total score will be well. Like, I was so naive to even just the interpretation of the score sets, right? So it goes to show that how that can really sink you, like, how there's prep to prep for the MCAT, you know what I mean? And applications yeah. and all that. Okay, so but then you did 
do well on your MCAT. You are a doctor now. So what <laughs> was the study story. schedule that, yeah, what it, what changed? <laughs> so your first time you're like, oh, I could just do pound this out in a month. Yeah. And then I, what changed? I, I imagine you can probably think of what changed. Um, it certainly wasn't uh, a deficit to be teaching the MCAT, like essentially almost using the the fault at the time of like the test not going so well of saying, you know what, you know, over time in grad school, it's like, I'm, I feel like I really got a grasp of this material, like whether it be bio and be a little bit of psych social at the same time, I'm going to teach it. So like teaching it gave some, some reassurance to the material, but what changed in terms of the outcome, I think primarily was how much more I understood the test. I understood the way schools use the test. I understood, I understood the rules of cutoffs. I understood the studying schedule way better because of being in that world of seeing many people doing it and helping people doing it and learning and researching all the strategies. So I was just so much better researched and prepared going into it so that when I executed, I knew, hey, here's my three and a half, almost four month plan of studying for this test and intermixing subjects and every week doing, if not a full length, doing a section. Like it was such, it was much more of an integrated and something I stuck to study plan that made the difference. And, and something that wasn't shortchanged by time. It was indeed like four months. It was that like full-time or extra part-time job of studying. Certainly that's what made the difference. And I do think that it is like a, a, a 10-week kind of minimum process. Oh, no doubt. I would, I would say like minimum, like minimum. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because you need you need time to process the material to kind of integrate it, and then practice yeah. and and you know dedicate four, five, six straight like days, mm-hmm. in over the, those ten months or ten weeks in order to do a full length exam. Did what materials did you use? Um, you know, I'll say it at the time because I want to make sure like <laughs> listeners know not to uh, do what I say, not what I did. Um, early on, like in the unsuccessful attempts, I used like. A resource from everybody. I was like, oh, this bio book looks really good from this resource. Oh, no, I like this chem book because uh, it's nice and concise and has lots of practice. So I was jumbling between materials and study companions and practice. And I had so much. Like I'm talking, there's probably 16 books on my desk. And that in and of itself was overwhelming and I think deterred efficient studying. Versus later, all I used was exam crackers. And it was something that I had friends that were in medicine. I had fellow grad students that had just gotten into medicine. And it was sort of like by recommendation, as well as what we were using at the time in Prep 101. I thought, well, gosh, I'm hearing it from all sides. Like this is, I've got to use the same resource. Like I know the bio one from Prep 101, but I've never really opened the physics text. I've never really opened the the CARS text. Um, but I honestly have nothing but amazing things to say about those resources. It was all exam crackers. And then I had a few additional practice sets from like AAMC um, and uh, maybe a few Kaplan's as well at the time. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think one of the mistakes people make early on is just trying to like accumulate books mm-hmm. and, you know, collect, become a book collector instead of a book reader um, and think they're going to just get a whole bunch of materials and that will be a start. And that just becomes, I think, really overwhelming and psychologically draining to just stare at those books, those 16 books on your desk, right? Um, the other thing, uh, how much did you use the AAMC resources? Because I think that those are absolutely crucial because it's like straight from the horse's mouth. They developed the MCAT. All the other companies um, are riffing off of and, and really studying hard to uh, replicate the MCAT's style, which is to be frank, quite easy to do. Um, but it's the AMC that's the original. So the OG, did you use the AMC materials? Yeah, certainly. I kind of thought of it like similar to you tour, like doing your, your bio classes, um, in Alberta, right? It's 
as a student, I could find tests from all over the country. I could even find tests from older professors, but it's not your test. It's not your style. It's not your level of difficulty, the way you format. Um, so I think I had five or six like full length formal a AMCs. And then they also at the time had a, had a practice set, which was like 50 questions from each section. And I used that and to the point where I think I did them I think I did them sort of like twice. Like I did a full length and I, I would review and then I would like star the section that was the worst and I would repeat it three months later just to see how it compared. Just to give enough time that I wouldn't remember all the details of the questions, but I still had those resources and there certainly were the most accurate to real test day. They were online, they were on the computer. So it was like I was sitting there doing the test at the testing facility, which, which was great. And I felt it was really, it recapitulated like the real... MCAT. Like I felt the same on test day as I did using those resources at home with the exception that I didn't have a dog that could come up and I could pet to the left. It was, I was at a cubicle, right? That was the only difference. I would, I would maybe deem my dog a therapy dog so he could just like, I could pet him halfway through the test just to calm me down. That would be so um, nice. Uh, I, I know, that's what it needs. That's so what the MCAT needs is it needs pet therapy in the room. <laughs> just in between at the breaks, yes. right? Um, okay, so then how much do you think that is the best balance of like studying? Because you do have to do some studying, like you're studying for an undergraduate exam, right? You do have to just memorize your amino acids. You just have to memorize the formula and, and look at the theories and just kind of get the science knowledge. But what do you think is the optimal studying versus training your test taking ability? That is so tough. Like I think about that all the time and I'm sure like we get asked that like when we're teaching like these courses and I think everyone's a little bit different, but I think the important thing is you need that you need to equally partition the practice with the studying. I think that's the main theme is that many people spend too much time studying, trying to hammer up those few concepts that they just keep forgetting, missing out on practice time. Like some people are going to be 50, 50. Some people will be, I'm going to study 60% of the time for my first half. So my first month we'll say, or first two months. I'm going to study 60% of the time, practice 40, and then I'm going to shift. I'm going to be like 80% practice, 20% uh, studying material. But I think it's totally fair if like in the in the early stages, in the get-go, if you want to like de devote your first month into learning material, especially if you're coming at it, you know, as a mature student or a parent turned student again, or someone who just did a major that was not within the, the field of the bios and the sciences, you're certainly going to put a bit more emphasis on the, on the beginning to learn that content. But I don't think you can shortchange the value of practice. And it's not like practice to like say, oh, look, I'm doing great. I've got a, I've got my, my 520. Well, if you had your 520, you'll probably stop your studying there and just go write the thing. Um, but you want to do it. So like, like you said, right, you want to experience the test. You want to experience the format. You want it to be so on test day, when you walk into the room, the only thing you're thinking about is, okay, hit me with the material. Show me what you got. You're not thinking, oh, how's these? How do these passages work? And how do I how do I mark a question? How does the timer really work? And is this really six hours? Like that should not be in your mind at all. Like you know all those answers. And I think people fail that because they don't do practice early and they don't experience those AMC resources and the and the mock full lengths and all of that, right? And it's also like don't get discouraged from the early practice that you do where you don't score well and treat it as like a a learning curve right, that you're on, and then eventually you do kind of hit that exponential phase. But I was curious, to, I was I wanted to ask your ideas on this idea of splitting, like, you know, again, starting maybe 60-40, studying practice. Do you think that you should split, that split changes depending on what subject? Because, for instance, if I'm doing physics, I haven't done physics since first year of university, like, I would probably do, like, 100% studying for pretty much a month, mm -hmm. and then 
turn into practice. Whereas if you give me a bio test, I'll be like, oh, I, have to, I do have to brush up some, some topics. Sometimes I teach things and forget about them instantly. So I'd have to like think about for, forcing myself to remember. So do you think we should treat the subjects different depending on our strengths? I think most people will, like by nature of feeling like panic that there's physics on this test and I haven't done physics. We'll say someone has done it since high school or even junior high. There, there's that sheer panic there of like, I'm not going to write an MCAT that has physics on it if I haven't even looked at it yet. Like, sure, I think by subject, people will will will, will divide and conquer differently because they want to get a bit more exposure. But I don't think, again, that that has to stop practice. Like, you just have to be honest with yourself that if you're going to do a full-length MCAT and you haven't really covered a lot of chem yet and you do poorly in the chem section, hmm, there might be a tether there. There might be a reason for that, <laughs> right? But you still got the good practice of going through problems, thinking about it, seeing all the, the the tricks and the tips and trying to employ strategies and all that that you're also learning, right? You're learning material, but good resources are going to teach you strategy too. And you don't get to practice that strategy unless you're doing the tests. But I think it's totally fair to say, hey, if I haven't done physics... I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, uh, designate a bunch of time at the beginning to be like two weeks of physics straight just to get the foundation that I, I either A, I lost or B, I never really had. Like, I think that's totally fine. I also think people like th this and we see this a bit in prep courses, but I think even personally, and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts too, like from whether it's from studying from other things or teaching the MCAT is integrating the subjects, like not feeling like you have to solely be doing physics for three weeks and not look at bio or chem or cars, but like saying like Monday night's bio night, Tuesday night's chem night, Thursday night I'm doing cars. Like what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Like based on students you've taught and like success stories and where people falter in terms of trying to figure out that scheduling. Like what do you think, Tora? I think it's mixing it up. I think I think mixing it up helps with that integration because we know that there's organic chemistries in the bio section. We know that there's bio in the psych section. We know there's physics in the bio section, right? We know that it's an integrated test. So I I also need some to switch things up a lot, right? Like I don't focus very well for long periods of time on one thing. And so I think that that one night in physics and that one night in, in cars or whatever um, really would help. Again, just this idea of mixing it up and having a study schedule that allows for um, the just that, yeah, that maturity in, in recognizing that this is integrated test, right? And so that's why one of the reasons why Prep 101 doesn't do like a month of bio and then a month of yeah, chem and then yeah. a month of physics, right? Um, because you want to you want to mix it up, and I think that you do get bogged down. And I think psychologically, to be able to sometimes transition into a strength every few days is nice, right? It's like, like the reward oh, system. Home. Like, oh, I'm, I've, yeah. I've been struggling so much with cars, or I really hate doing my organic chem. But you know what? Bio day is tomorrow, or psychosocial <laughs> day is tomorrow, and it gives you those mood lifts. That's a total. That's an excellent point. <laughs> um, and okay, so did you ever do a study group? Did I ever do a study group? You know what? I never, I never did a study group like in person. There was like one or two forums I was part of, like because every once in a while, whether it's from your resource itself that you're like, oh, is this really the right answer? Like I cannot understand why this is the correct answer in this practice set from say Exam Crackers. So being on an, an Exam Crackers users forum, you could like post that question and get a little bit of live feedback. And even sometimes authors from the book could chime in and clarify like, oh no, this is a systemic error in the book on this page, blah, blah, blah. So that I wasn't losing sleep over the one question of like, I know this stuff, but it's telling me I'm wrong and I can't settle with that because I'm a perfectionist and I'm that type A personality. And that's going to ruin my studying tomorrow because all of a sudden I'm thinking about the question in this book. So that was a good form. And then I had another one where it was just generic Everyone studying for the MCAT just asking like topic-based questions and like what resources but did you use? Those forums terrify me. 
<laughs> they can because they're they're <laughs> full of such bad advice. <clears throat> totally, totally. But you need to know your place in terms of what you're using them for, right? And I think yeah. at the time there wasn't a lot of people around me studying for the MCAT, so there's there's definitely one that I dropped for that very reason, where like people are just like stressing each other out, and it's like a hundred people. No, I don't want that. Like I want to like a little form group of 12, 10 people that like, okay, I get the vibe of them, the questions they're asking. Everyone's using exam crackers. Everyone's in Canada. Like you have to hone in on what works for you and know like when you're being bogged down by like moles in a group like that, that are not serving a purpose of helping you or helping each other and just deter or like impact your studying. Like you have to feel that for sure. I've got a student right now who is uh, part of a study group and they meet once, well, kind of twice a week, I think, and do four hour chunks of studying and kind of keep each other honest. I mean, I, I do like that idea. It, I think you have to be both very strong personalities to not get lose your confidence if someone, your study partner is doing better than you or knows more and you you know, you know start to get uh, self-conscious about those things. So, I mean, I, I love the idea of a study group. I love the idea of an in-person study group uh, because I think that that accountability is always good. Like we're meeting at 8 a.m., you just not you know you don't get a chance to sleep in. You are meeting someone. Someone's gonna hold you accountable, and you're meeting in the library or whatever that is. But yeah, the forums are. I mean, I've seen advice on forums like, just skip a passage in cars or read the questions before reading the passage. Like just horrific advice. And so I mean, it's just objectively bad advice. So the forums, yeah, do scare me a little bit. But that's where good materials come in. Yeah, right. That's you're, where you're right. And you want to make sure those forums aren't like forums you're following for strategy. Like you should be using materials for strategy. The forums are like those one-off questions. Lots of forums about like applying to medicine and all that. But like the MCAT style, like I think study group would be fantastic. I mean, we use them now. Like I use them in residency, and you know, you get together with a small group so that. Again, there's the accountability and you can like pick a topic. Like we're doing chapter three of bio and we're going to go around and just like pick questions and quiz each other, right? Or we're going to like take 10 minutes and do this passage and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the important. We're going to talk about the stems where it tripped us up and we're going to employ the strategies we've learned from our studying or from our prep course or whatever. These study groups, I don't think have to be limited to people that are going it alone as like the self-studiers. I think it could very well be the people like in Prep 101 or in Kaplan or Princeton or whatever course you do if you go that route. You can still have a study group with people maybe doing that course with you or friends that aren't in the course that are studying on their own. Like there might be good crosstalk there too. Like I think it's a great idea to have a study group if you can find the right people that you can work well with. Uh, This is a big question that we get all the time. I think everyone gets, how many hours? Many. Because, well, apparently (laughs) the hours that you study somehow proves your effectiveness. I'm more like how how effective are you at studying? It's not about the hours you put in, but how well you use them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's maybe a story for another day. Mm-hmm. But like how many hours do you dedicate to the MCAT over, let's call it a 12-week study period, because that is, in my opinion, close to the minimum? Yeah, I'm just trying to do like simple math in my head of what that looks like. I think like we're going to minimums. Like if uh, daily, we say like approach it like a full-time job. If you could study for the MCAT five or six days a week, so that's most days, like a work week for seven, eight hours, you'd be in a good spot. But many people can't do that, right? We have people that are like scattering three or four hours a day, let's say, um, or four or five. So if it's five a day, five days a week, 25 hours, 100 hours a month, 202 months, and then finally we have our 300 for the 12-week period you're giving. And that's like the minimum. I think more people are going to be up towards like the four or 500 hours minimum of studying some people are going to get up i've heard people like studying seven or 800 hours but it depends on what you need and like you said you alluded to like quality quantity 
depends on what you're doing with that time, right? If you're like, if some of those hours are you just like revamping your study plan because you don't like it or changing resources midway through studying, like that's obviously bad use of time and ineffective. And it's going to, I wouldn't say it's sink you, but it certainly hurts your, your flow and your, and your rhythm. But you need the time in because it takes time to learn material. It takes time to memorize and it takes time to do the practice, right? Like you can't change the fact that the MCAT's six hours. You can't change the fact that a section is, you know, is 59 minutes or an hour and 10, you know, that's inevitable. Well, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head too, like, cause the course is 140 hours. Like the prep 101 course is about hundred, well, just under 440, I think. Yeah. Um, then you probably should do at least seven, I think, full length exams, mm -hmm. um, just to get the rhythm and get your feelings in and out. So that's, you know, I, I can't do that math. So that's already going about to 200 hours. And then the amount of studying you go outside of that. Yeah. 300 hours, probably minimum. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, in, in, in that, you know, a course makes your time very efficient, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Because studying alone, you're more likely to get distracted. If you're in a class for four hours, you're focused for four hours. If you're studying for four hours, you might take 15 bathroom breaks. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, 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 like, and you or me or any other instructor is going to be like honest with the time to the point of like when do we move on versus. I might get to like at home and be studying and get stumped on a passage and literally spend 30, 40 minutes on that one thing, trying to figure it out. But I missed the opportunity to learn seven other things in that time span that I originally had in my study plan. So like the courses certainly keep you accountable in that manner and like keep you flowing, right? And not getting Well, yeah, stuck. like I could teach, I could teach, you know, recombination and genetics for two hours. I do it in five minutes mm -hmm. because it's like, well, this is a really unlikely question and it's an extremely difficult topic and you can kind of fake it till you make it in this particular topic because we can do some zhuzhing on the side, right? Yep. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the, again, we keep coming back to getting good materials, getting good materials because good materials also won't be bloated. They're not going to uh, explain a topic that has appeared on one MCAT in the last 15 years, right? And then in yep. that case, it's a really a waste of time. Um, because you, you need to cover the, the big topics and then the medium topics and then the little topics, but the tiny topics, the ones that like, man, you know, asking about, I don't know, of uh, the evolution of sexual dimorphism, you're like, the chance of that appearing on the exam is so tiny that maybe we should move on. And I think like the, all the people that are writing the MCAT, many people like those, again, those type A's, those perfectionists, they want to know it all and they want to know it all the same. But that's like, that's the study strategy that a lot of people I think are masked to or don't realize that you need to you need to prioritize that like where's the money the money's in the bank so you go to the bank for money you don't go um, to the construction site for money you like you have to pick your battles and you're like if you know these are the top five topics for bio go for it not the sexual dimorphism not the one question if it ever appears on like interleukins and immunology like sure it's interesting oh, God, I love only... immunology let's do it yeah but, but like, they're never asking going... about interleukins <laughs> I've never seen it on an upcat. <laughs> They're never asking about it. But yeah, like technically you can know a lot about it yeah. and never be rewarded. Okay. Hardest part of studying. The hardest part of studying, which is also the reason that a lot of people are ultimately disappointed with their scores is sticking to the study plan. That's the hardest thing for me, I think, is sticking to the plan because often people are studying during months where they normally would be seeking more like hobbyist lifestyles and like doing fun things and starting part-time work or whatever it is. So being able to like realize that, oh, this is a part of my life where this is a new component. Like this isn't normally part of my, my summer where I spend five hours a day studying for the MCAT, right? So like adapting to a study plan and sticking to it is the hardest part because there's going to be so many times where you think, 
oh, I feel like I'm burning out a little bit. I need to take some time, which is totally fine. But like taking time is maybe taking like a night off, not taking like weekend after weekend after weekend or pushing things and pushing things until exam date creeps up and you're overwhelmed and you perform worse because of the anxiety of the fact that I didn't get 30% of what I wanted done, right? Like you control your fate in, in that. So I think the hardest part is just from the start to the finish is sticking sticking with your plan and being patient, being patient with the plan and being patient that results will come. Many people aren't going to have an ACE MCAT in the first week they do it, or even in the first half of their studying plan, if I'm completely honest, right? And it's tough to like be worried that, oh, I'm not getting results yet. I'm not getting results yet. What's the ending going to be? You need to practice it's patience. A, it's a marathon. Yeah. It's a marathon. Yeah. Right? And um, I would I would echo that. And I think that cut yourself some slack, right? Especially if you're studying alone and you don't have a support network around you of people going through the same thing. It's one of the advantages of courses, right? Is like you, everyone's in it together. Um, and burnout, for me, I see this year after year. Burnout is week seven. Yeah, I, th- I agree. Week seven. seven, eight, people are like, I'm done. Like My brain's Zombies. mush. Yeah, I feel like we need to like in in a in a course plan for that and have like a donut party or something and so i think even if you're going it alone know that burnout is going to happen and have a recovery plan have a cutting yourself some slack being a little bit more gracious with yourself and going okay well let's i'm gonna sit on my floor of my basement have a donut party and be cool with it and then be re-energized as soon as the energy will come back Mm -hmm. right and I, i think that's what i found maybe because i'm i'm older and like i've gone through a lot of of independent work stuff, right? I do a lot of freelance work and I just, I, I know the inspiration is going to come and sometimes I just have to wait for it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it does come. So as long as you allow yourself the space to take a break. So I think that has to be, that has to be kind of planned in as well. Yeah. Anticipating it. I think students like you've never studied for something like this before and you've never studied this long probably before. So you can almost anticipate that. Yeah this additional feature of your life will burn you out to some capacity. Either it's going to burn you out mentally because you're just so tired of studying or you're going to hit a part where you're like, gosh, like I haven't seen people in forever. And you can take rewards. Like part of a study plan is knowing where you're taking your breaks, anticipating things like burnout and trying to prevent them or at least find your way to work through them in, in a healthy manner. And whether or not that's like, okay, you know what? I always, I don't study on Saturdays. I just don't do it. Like that's my day with friends. That's my day with family. And then Monday nights I play volleyball. Like keep up some routine, keep up the things that keep you healthy in in, in body so that you give the mind a break. Like that's the best advice I'd say yeah. that maybe I even didn't do you know, necessarily well the first going offs and got okay tests. And when I did my best testing was when I was probably getting more respite like that. So, And you might've, and, and the best test is maybe also when you were busiest. Yeah, probably like multitasking and still like, oh, I got to go to this wedding and I've got to do this. And oh, we have a vacation in the middle. So I got to plan around that. So yeah, versus I've got two months, my desk and my office, my books, right? It's a recipe it for disaster. <laughs> I know, I know. And then I, I do think that people should keep up their regular life mm-hmm. and and studying, you know, and find the dedicate some time to studying. But the busier you are, the often the more efficient you have to be. So that hour of studying becomes the power hour as opposed to an hour of studying because you've got, you've dedicated 18 hours that day to studying and that one hour you're going to blow off that you know, you can pound out a lot of material in an hour or two or three if you're really efficient. Um, And so I think recognizing that your life continues and it should, because that's the only way without burning out. Yeah. hundred percent. 
All right, Chancey, anything else? We, we're good. We're, we've motivated people to A, study alone, which I guess our sponsor, Prep 101, wouldn't be happy with. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. We are not bold. They don't listen to this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> study alone, but like you're going to study alone even in a prep course. You're going to have to study outside of it. So we're just preparing you for the fact that like not even a, a prep course can do it all for you. It's going to be a game changer for many of us as it was you know, for someone like me being in that world. But you still have to study on your own. So a lot of like all this advice is still is still valid and important. But whatever way you choose to go, it you just need to appreciate the process and have patience for it. That's the big thing. And we will give another shout out to when if you're studying it alone, you're not involved in a prep class, um, exam crackers materials, pick one horse, ride it all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and exam crackers has always been our favorite, not because they even pay us. No, <laughs> I haven't seen a cent. We've from had exam experience. <laughs> yeah, love it, yeah. love it. So um, if you're if you're gonna go it alone, then please uh, check out those nice colorful books. Yeah. The other ones tend to be either bloated or just they're just not as good. Mm-hmm. They're just not as good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you everyone today, and uh, tune in for the next episode. See everybody.